This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. From Gimlet, this is The Pitch. I'm Josh Muccio. On this show, we venture into the world of startups to a critical moment when aspiring entrepreneurs put it all on the line and pitch investors for funding. This week, right now the way it works is it flips kind of the way social media works. How do you address every every comment, every fan on a daily basis when there's hundreds and thousands of yep. you know mess- whole... messages coming in? But does that mean a lot to the fans, just that they like yeah. it? I was one of the investors in MySpace. Were you? Were yes. you? Oh, cool. Yeah. Need I say more? <laughs> like MySpace? Today, we hear from an entrepreneur who's built an app designed to bring social media stars and their fans into conversation. But the founder needs to convince investors that unlike most social media startups, he has a plan to actually make money. Phil Nadell is the founder of Forefront Venture Partners. In pitches, you'll hear him put the focus on the hard numbers. I don't like the model. I'm not seeing the path to recurring revenue. Jillian Manis is here representing Structure Capital. Even more than other investors, she looks to make a connection with a founder and their company. There is no doubt in my mind that you're going to do this. I really feel that. Jake Chapman's here with Gelt VC. Sometimes it feels like he has an angel and a devil sitting on his shoulders. One thinking about the morality of a company and the other focused on the financial opportunity. But when he can get those two to agree, he's all in. I think you're, you're making a difference in the world, and I think you're going to make a boatload of money. Yeah. And uh, when I can combine those two things, like, it really gets me excited. Howie Diamond founded the VC firm Ranch Ventures. He looks for scrappy founders who, come hell or high water, get the job done. It's just one of my things as an investor. I want to know that you can build something that's, like, actually functional. All right, here we go. Wow. It was. That's amazing. Hey, Matthew. Hey, Matthew. Hi, Jillian. When today's founder, Matthew Peltier, strides into the room, it's easy to overlook his breezy air of confidence or his prominent man bun. And that's because everyone is focused on something else, something you don't see a lot in a pitch meeting. The guy is barefoot. You don't walk around barefoot on the streets of San Francisco, do you? Um, not in SF. But uh, I do in L.A. a lot. No, L.A. is fine. L.A. is fine. San Francisco is is a special. On the west side, I'm assuming. West side, yeah. 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 All right. Well, shoes or no shoes, it's time for Matthew to make his pitch. Go ahead. Shimmer. Shimmer us. Yeah. So uh, I'm Matthew Peltier from Shimmer, and we're building a social engagement platform that lets influencers and fans interact at scale. Matthew explains that the idea for his company all started when Matthew met a guy named Brent Rivera who had over 22 million followers on various social platforms. 22 million followers who were regularly vying for Brent's attention through comments and tweets. Uh, And working with him, started to realize what social media did well, what it did poorly, and how him and his community engaged. Um, Through that, uh, we saw that social media 
well-served is content distribution. Allows these creators to build their following, uh, establish their brand, their trade, really, you know, build their stardom. And so he and his co-founders built Shimmer, an app designed to help social media stars interact with their fans. So how does it work? Um, the platform itself is very simple. Um, right now, the way it works is it flips kind of the way social media works. So rather than influencers creating content and fans reacting, the community creates the content. They up and down vote the good and bad content, and the influencer is able to interact. Imagine a Reddit-style app where users in a particular group upvote posts they like. Except instead of communities focused around things like gaming or shower thoughts, each community on Shimmer is centered on someone who's known as an influencer. Users upvote posts that are directed to or about that influencer. Would you guys like to see a little product demo? Yes, please. Absolutely. Um, see, I'll start right over here. Matthew pulls out his phone and walks over to the investors to demonstrate how the app works. The front page is populated with the faces of various influencers. Click on one, and it takes you to a page devoted entirely to that person known as their tribe. Uh, as a user, you're uh, joining tribes of the influencers mm -hmm. you love. Oh. Uh, from there, uh, you can go into the individual communities, uh, almost think of paradigm like Reddit and subreddits. Uh, from there, we allow the community to create content. Um, I click in yep. to one of my tribes, and these are this is content that's being produced from other tribe members. Exactly. So here's somebody uh, asking about how this influencer um, refers to his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. uh, originally, we thought we'd see a lot more uh, Q and A type content, and there's a ton of that. But there's mm -hmm. almost an equal volume of just uh, you know content creation, memes, favorite cool. photos, uh, even just admiration, things like that. Right. And then the uh, uh, last I, piece I is kind it. of yep. you know, up and down voting. So presumably, if enough people upvote the question about what nicknames Brent likes to call his girlfriend, then Brent would see and answer that question, and all the followers in his tribe would see his response. In this way, an influencer is able to interact with thousands or even millions of followers in a scalable way. What qualifies someone as an influencer? Uh, right now, we really use, uh, you know, uh, how many followers they have. It's a bit of a vanity, but it shows that they have people that care about them. Uh, from there, well, how, much, how many is average? Um, you know, I'd say on the lower end, like 150,000 plus. Um, but on average, we probably have, you know, half a million to a million, uh, at least on a single platform. Uh, but from there, we really look at engagement. Howie, you can be an influencer. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. So, looks a lot like a mobile Facebook feed. Right. Okay. Yeah, we wanted it to be a feed where the influencer could scroll through, and that's where that read receipts functionality gets really scalable. Every post they see, all those fans are notified that he had seen that. So really able to interact with hundreds, even thousands of people in a single session. Do they really have time, or do they really have... Most influencers don't do this themselves. Uh, they do some of it, but a lot of times they have others. So, so it really depends on uh, the class of influencers, social right. influencers are all authentic. Yeah. Everything they create on every okay. platform they do, everything they're okay. engaging okay. with is okay. all them. I think it's worth noting that what Matthew is talking about, the class of influencers, might sound kind of ridiculous. The idea that there's a whole world of people who have built careers out of getting a bunch of likes and having a ton of followers. But it's not at all. If we've learned nothing else from Kim Kardashian, it's that you can be famous for being famous. Here's Howie. So an influencer wants to be inundated with all this from their fans. Yeah, I mean, um, they, they, yeah. I don't you think at some point it's just not scalable. Well, I know the platform's scalable, yeah. but as an influencer, right. me as a person, I don't scale. How do you address every every comment, every fan, 
on a daily basis when there's hundreds and thousands of yeah. you know mes- whole, of messages coming in. Yeah, really, the whole thesis is uh, you know we don't aggregate content. We're not pulling all that spammy things created in content or in uh, comment feeds and stuff like that. Um, really, it's about quality, not quantity. Um, and that's where the upvoting mechanic gets really scalable. So as the community upvotes it, when the influence interacts, all those people are notified. But does that mean a lot to the fans, just that they like yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, uh, for social influencers and really what it's become is, you know, a place where, uh, you know, uh, influencers are more directly connected to their fans, right? What fans feel like they're missing is understanding whether that influencer cares about them or whether he has a presence. And uh, a lot of it is about almost the gaze into the eyes of an influencer. What are they looking at? What are they responding to? You know, the fact that they're not necessarily being directly engaged, but they're getting this more intimate look into the influencer has been really powerful. The gaze of an influencer. According to Matthew, this is why fans come to Shimmer. If they post something other fans upvote, they might just get a response from a social media star. But what's the draw for the influencers themselves? Can influencers use uh, Shimmer to sort of grow their own tribe via other tribes? Yep. Um, so a lot of the functionality we're, we're, you know, in our roadmap is uh, how do we integrate communities? Um, we've seen a lot of tribe growth both within the product, but also influencers, social followings elsewhere have grown. Um, what, are your, what are your numbers? Yeah, um, we just passed, I think yesterday, 166,000 users. We've done no paid marketing or promotions. It's all been, you know, organic influencers coming to our product. Uh, naturally, they want to let their fans know that they have this way to better engage with them. So these are 166,000 registered users. Yep. Um, we've probably had about 185,000 downloads or so, so good conversions on the sign-up. Um, retention has been strong, uh, and typically on a daily or weekly basis, we're seeing anywhere from 25 to 30-plus percent active. Um, so getting good engagement metrics. Um, How many influencers are there like out there in the market right now? Um, it's really an interesting question. Um, I guess one of the things we've started to realize is there's new influencers popping up every day. A lot of our bread and butter right now is really young and up-and-coming influencers that really need to cultivate their community, grow, stay highly engaged. A tremendous amount of this is really developing. Uh, I'd say a lot of the influencer space is very much so wild, wild west. Sounds very cool. How are you monetizing it? That's Phil. Like usual, he's getting down to the numbers. Monetization, I think, is really what our focus is post-seed. So really, it's about building different avenues for an influencer to monetize. Um, Kristen Hancher, she actually has a ton of fans that will screenshot her photos from Instagram or Musical.ly or things like that. They'll share it, and they'll actually ask her where she got every piece of that outfit. And she'll go through and respond, and it's a really organic way for her to influence spending decisions. And then, uh, obviously, we can provide much deeper analytics. Could we do things like buy buttons or actually track conversions? Um, things that I think are struggling on other products. So you'd have to pay or incentivize the influencer in that case to interact with that paid content. 100%. Um, all these things are all revenue splits. Um, you know, even uh, advertising now on Twitter or YouTube, it's all about you know splitting revenue with the influencer. Obviously, it's a motivation for them to continue to use the product, but drives revenue to both the platform and the creators. What Matthew means by revenue splits is an influencer has the opportunity to sell things through their posts. Say a tribe member asks an influencer where she got her sunglasses. She can tell them the brand, and then there might be a little buy button for fans to click and go buy the same sunglasses. The influencer and Shimmer could get a cut of any sales generated this way. It seems influencer very quickly means spending influencer. So you'll give influencers tools to monetize. Yep. Um, and you'll get a piece. Well, yeah. how do you track that then if she's, yeah. 
can you how some you kind of affiliate that? model that you're I'd thinking? say uh, you know that's one version. Um, another big thing we're really focused on is uh, directly monetizing the users. So having fans even pay uh, premiums to guarantee their post gets responded to or engaged with. And we've already had some offers for you know five, six figure brand deals um, through major agencies to come through the product and advertise products or work on campaigns. Did you take it? Um, we haven't yet. Okay. Um, what what type of deal is this? Yeah, it's a brand integration. So it would be okay. partnering specific influencers that match that product or their goals of that campaign okay. and doing a, uh, a campaign that is through Shimmer and also through their other social channels too, okay. you know. And what does that what does that look like in terms of the revenues from that? Um, What's the contract look like? Yeah. Uh, is it twenty five thousand dollars? Is it ten thousand dollars? Is it as far as revenue for, you said for Shimmer? It was six as a figure. Yeah, yeah. So it's a hundred thousand dollars. They or? vary. Um, so my co-founder Max has managed an influencer, Brent Rivera. Um, he's done everything from you know five, six figure, even seven figure deals. Matthew isn't being very forthcoming with his numbers. Maybe he just doesn't want to overcommit. But what he's saying is, there's money to be made in the world of influencers. And through these influencers, Shimmer could be the first social media platform since Facebook to actually crack the code of capitalizing on its users. It's a big risk, but with a potentially even bigger reward. What are you raising? Uh, right now we're doing a... Oh, I forgot that in the, uh, yeah. the intro. <laughs> Uh, we love having a, you here, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, we're doing a seed round, and we're raising 1.5. Uh, really oriented towards getting us a comfortable, you know, 14, 16 months, build a lot of the features that we know will drive that depth, mm-hmm. the longevity, the deep vested interest in the product. Mm-hmm. What's the valuation? Um, we're doing right now a 7 mil pre, and that those terms have been uh, worked with with uh, Graycroft. Um, oh, so, so Graycroft is in? Yep. Ah, Graycroft is in. So investors are thinking... If we invest, we won't be the first money in. And Graycroft is a reputable VC firm at that. This could be the final nudge needed to get our investors to take the leap. How much of that is done? Yeah, so we have uh, about 1.1 hard committed. Let me ask you this. For you, what is your big hair on fire question, your big issue? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, it's definitely a good question. Uh, I think right now a lot of the challenge in any social product is longevity. Can you build a real experience that drives long-term value, that people feel like they have a vested interest in the history they've had on that product or in the relationships they're building? And can we really capture that? And I think that's really what we need to build for in our product roadmap. Um, With confidence, I think we're thinking about it absolutely right. And with that, Matthew makes his final case for why he thinks Shimmer could be the next big social media app. He's got users, he's got a plan to make money, Now can he get the capital he needs to keep refining his app to make it indispensable for influencers and their fans? Jake's up first. Well, Graycroft is in already, obviously, and is leading the round. So I think, you know, raising money is not going to be a concern for you. Um, I think, for me, like, we've never invested in a social company before, and we don't really understand. So it's very hard for me to take your engagement numbers and your attention numbers and like input that in my brain and like have that spit out, this is a top, you know, 99th percentile company or what. So it's, it's very hard for me to like process this like on the fly. But um, ultimately, I don't think we'd be a great investor for you because of that. Like we just don't have a lot of background in the space. For those reasons, I, I think I'm going to have to pass. Cool. Jake's out. Here's Phil. You know, for, for me, uh, it, 
I think it's a cool concept. I, I really like it. But for me, it's a fairly easy decision because it's pre-revenue. I've got to be, uh, I've got to pass. Mm -hmm. But um, I wish you luck with it. I, I, I think you're, you're onto something kind of cool. And uh, uh, it's, it seems very sort of, you know, like cutting edge. It's, it's really, you're in a good place. I don't know if you can, if you can succeed long term. Like you said, the longevity question, we don't know. But yeah, keep doing it. I think it's really cool. Phil's out. Now the ball's in Jillian's court. Uh, I, um, I'm on the fence on this a, a bit. I, I think that, uh, I think your background is very impressive and obviously you're, ex you're a high executor and uh, in a very short amount of time you have uh, already some good traction. Thank you. Um, absolutely. I, I've worked a little bit in this space, mm -hmm. but not enough to feel like I'm a, an expert mm -hmm. potentially because I'm so old. Maybe that's one of the reasons. Um, 21. Uh, that? 21. Oh, you see, that was really, really. Now she's in. <laughs> now um, you're such a darling. Um, so I think that I'm going to be out just because I don't know if I can add value. I really worry about that. Okay. So, but not because I don't think this has huge merit. And I see the merit. I just. I just want to make sure that I always add smart money, just not money. Okay. And I don't think you're going to have any problem raising the rest no. of this. Like, zero. Okay. So. Three of our four investors are out. Perhaps Howie, the one investor with a vibe chill enough to rival Matthew's no-shoes policy, will go in on Shimmer. I, uh, I, I dig your mojo, man. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. Um you're thinking about things in the right way. And um, I like this idea of nurturing these influence, you know, influencer to fan relationships. I think, I think that's. This yeah, is that's, your wheelhouse, Howie. That's really interesting. Why is it? Well, why? Because you are an influencer. Uh, influence, you were a musician. Howie's a, yeah. Howie's yes. was a rock star. When I was a musician, there was MySpace. So. I was one of the investors in MySpace. Were you? Yes. Were you? Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, we were that. Uh, what are you yeah. talking about? You can't add value. Yeah. Yeah, there no, you no, go. No. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Need I say more? <laughs> like MySpace. She can tell you all about MySpace. Yeah, the fact that you even know what MySpace is is a shocker. Right? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, like the only issue, that the only problem I have is this just doesn't fit really my the thesis of what my fund ranch ventures is doing like i like one of my portfolio companies is trying to like cure cancer in space yep um stuff like that is that so, a big problem yeah cancer yeah. in space yeah space cancer space cancer it's, it's, a, it's worse it's, it's, yeah we could yeah. crowdsource feedback yeah right um no i, I look at using stuff. laser cats to right. cure space cancer yeah, yeah. sure i mean I look for stuff right on the edge of that like risk reward curve mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, if I had more disposable income, I would probably invest personally in you. Um, and I lived in LA for eight, eight or nine years. Uh, I was in the music industry for a long time. I still have friends in you know Silicon Beach, and I know it's like a thriving up and coming ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's an energy down there, and and uh, you're you exemplify that energy in a really good way. Um, and I think this idea is perfect for that type of environment. And mm -hmm. I think you're already executing against it. So it's awesome. If, again, if I had some more personal wealth, I'd probably invest um, personally. But just because it doesn't fit uh, my fund, I'm, I'm going to pass for now. 
um, but would love to try to be helpful to you in any way that I can moving forward. Yeah, I appreciate it. And you're going to raise this money anyway, so I'm oh, yeah, not worried about it. You there. know as well. And you probably just came here for the exposure, but that's okay. Just came here to meet you folks. Okay. Well, really nice to meet you. Thanks for coming in. Nice meeting you. Yeah, thank you all very much. Lie. To be honest, this pitch did not turn out how I expected. I thought investors would see this as the one opportunity in social right now that had a very clear path to revenue. But things didn't turn out that way. So we decided to do something a bit different. When we come back from break, I'm going to call up the investors this time and find out what was going through their heads during this pitch and why didn't they invest in a company and a founder that to me seemed like a surefire win. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show and one thread that connects them all they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company, it's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies to fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. Matthew knew his industry and his product cold and seemed to have the right answers for all of the investors' questions. So when they all turned him down, I couldn't shake the feeling that there were unspoken dynamics at play in the room. To find out exactly what sunk Matthew's pitch, I called up the investors a few months after. Please excuse the audio quality. I recorded these over the phone in the middle of the day. You'll hear the investors typing and phones vibrating and whatnot. What can I say? These are busy people. Unfortunately, the audio quality of Howie's call was a little too rough, so we'll just hear from Phil, Jillian, and Jake. The first thing I want to know is what were they thinking when Matthew walked in barefoot? Here's Jillian. Wow, no shoes. I wish I could do that. I'd probably kill myself and step on something, get rabies the first moment, but that's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> are you thinking anything about like his abilities as a founder? Are you making any conclusions about him or is it too early? No, and just, just the opposite. I'm thinking... Um, it takes a pretty confident person to come out, to pitch to a bunch of VCs with no shoes, very, very, he's very cool. He's um, really has a very nice energy about him. He doesn't seem uh, really to be Mr. Salesman, um, but we'll see. So Jillian was into it, but Phil, not so much. I, I, when, he, when he walks in barefoot, I'm thinking, who is this bum? 
is this guy here to clean up the studio or is this the founder? I don't understand. He's, he's barefoot and I'm thinking, that's not very professional and or he's not taking this very seriously. And, you know, I don't know if his lack of professionalism is going to be a good fit for me. Yeah, red flag is what I'm thinking when uh, when someone walks into a pitch barefoot. <laughs> no shirt, no shoes, no service. No shirt, no shoes, no money. But forget about the shoes. What about once the actual pitch got going? Here's Phil again. Uh, he starts describing the platform and what they're trying to accomplish. And what I'm thinking is, uh, this sounds like a lot of other platforms, like a lot of failures that there have been in this space, I'm thinking uh, this does not sound like anything new, even though he's doing an admirable job at trying to spin it as something new. It didn't really excite me or come across to me as something like a, any kind of a breakthrough or something revolutionary or, or something really new. Jillian had a similar take. It seems like a combination of many companies uh, trying to um, do something different, but they don't have one definitive um, uh, distinguishing quality. Uh, there's nothing that's really setting them apart. Um, they're, you know, I always call them copycats. This is not really a copycat. This is like a gran animal. <laughs> I don't know if you remember what a gran animal was, no. but gran animals were, and you had to mix and match different animals, like the head of a hippopotamus, and you put it with the bottom of a, you know, a giraffe, and this yeah. and that. And it was almost like this was a gran animal where we were bits and pieces of great ideas trying to be fit together, but not creating a very coherent outfit. But not everyone saw the idea of Shimmer this way. Here's Jake. So as Matt's talking about, you know, the problem he's addressing, I start to actually get really excited um, and interested because I've actually invested in a company in the space before um, that's trying to help influencers um, reach their audiences at scale and really build up personal connections between the influencer and the the audience member or the followers. Um so it's a problem I really get, and it's something that I think um, needs a solution. I think there's a real big market for it. Um, so as soon as I start hearing what Matt's going after, I, I start to get kind of excited and interested in what's what's coming next. As Matthew got deeper into his pitch, some of the investors' minds began to change. As Matthew is going through his presentation, I'm impressed with the fact that he knows his numbers. This is Phil again. He knows his product very well. He has a real passion for it. He has a clear vision. And Matthew is really, in my view, the embodiment of the product, right? He is this product. I, I feel, I get the feeling that he is living and breathing it. And now reflecting on the fact that he is barefoot, I feel like that's sort of part of his persona and part of the the way that he embodies what he's trying to put out there in terms of shimmer. Here's Jillian. I'm still engaged because I'm thinking to my I'm thinking to myself, um, perhaps 
because this is not an area of expertise of investment for myself, I'm not fully grasping this. Perhaps I'm too old to grasp it. Uh, Perhaps this is, he's not presenting it coherently and I should pay more attention. Matt starts talking about tribes and I'm thinking to myself, as soon as he mentions the word tribes, I hate that word. I just, it, like, it, it evokes an immediate negative reaction to me. For Jake, this is when things started to go south. Maybe I'm jealous and that's why I don't like the word tribes. But the idea that you have these like, you know, young quote unquote influencers who are like using an app and just like creating memes and then building like this, you know, rabid fan base. And now they're like the tribes following this chieftain. Like it all seems very perverse to me. And here's the thing that fascinates me about the investors' decisions. They all got to know, but for totally different reasons. So as Matt is talking about an influencer being able to touch a bunch of fans and make them happy because the influencer reached out, I start thinking about um, the kinds of businesses that just really feel icky to me. And I, I really hate to be this kind of judgmental, but I just, I don't like the premise And with certain social businesses, I don't like that the premise is really all based on we're going to trigger like a little dopamine high in all of these people and keep them coming back. It makes them like drug addicts. And like it literally is a dopamine high. You get a like from the influencer you follow that you greatly respect or admire. And like there's a chemical release in your brain and that keeps you coming back to the app. Like you get physically addicted to the app. And I don't know that it's fair to really be judging Shimmer and Matt on all of this. But these are the things that are like going through my mind um, as we're talking about this business. For Jake, he couldn't make peace with the business's mission. And for Phil, it was all about the bottom line. I don't know where the revenue share is coming from. Where is the, how is the revenue being derived so that he can pay the influencers? So that wasn't really... That, that is not really answering my question in my mind about monetization. If a, if a pre-revenue Facebook deal presented itself to me, I don't think I would invest uh, because I don't invest in pre-revenue companies and I don't know that I would be um, omniscient enough to know that this new, this Facebook, this company will be able to uh, successfully monetize. So I, I, I like to see evidence, early evidence, but evidence of product market fit. I'm, I'm not that smart. Okay. I'm not, I admit, I'm not that smart to predict the next Facebook before they've generated any revenue. I wasn't feeling the vibe. And sometimes it's just about a feeling. I'm looking at him and saying he looks very together. He looks very confident. I like that, but I didn't feel him. You know, I wasn't feeling his his excitement. I did not feel his energy. And I'm thinking that how is he going to motivate a team of people if he can't motivate us to invest in this company? But that's actually, that's why I look at people's energy. My grandfather used to say that if you could sell a fuller brush, you could sell anything. 
Because in the end, salespeople are really not selling the product, they're selling themselves first. You have to like them, you have to believe them, you have to trust them. You have to feel their excitement. And I don't, didn't feel any of this. I did trust him. I didn't have any reason not to, but I didn't feel that he was excited. And how am I going to get excited if he's not excited? But there was one last piece to this puzzle. The investors had come up with a plan for how they could secretly communicate to one another when it was time to wrap up the pitch. Or wait, no, this is the one where you guys used your code word. Yeah, yeah, Phil used the hair on fire code word. Um, <laughs> I totally missed it. Let me ask you this. For you, what is your big hair on fire question, your big issue? Well, he said hair on fire, and I remember when I was sitting there, like that was supposed to be the code word. But by the time I remembered that he had said the code word, it was like too late for me to, to jump on board. Jake didn't catch the code word, but Jillian did. Oh, yeah, I did. I absolutely. I'm great at code words. Yeah, no, no, no. That, that was, and, that was, and that was hysterical, but that was so well-placed, too, because I was thinking the same thing. After I talked to the investors, I caught up with Matthew to hear how Shimmer was doing and to find out what he thought about the pitch. And he told me he wasn't actually all that surprised when the investors decided to pass on the deal. This isn't the first time he's heard no. Yeah, um, you know, it's something we definitely experience a ton of, obviously. Um, and I think the reality of it is social media is very difficult. Um, you're kind of tapping into something that isn't as tangible as other products, and there is a lot of risk to it. There's a lot of variability. There's even a lot of randomness and chance. But, um, you know, ultimately, it's risk mitigation. That's what investing is. I, I think as a product like ours continues to grow and that uh, becomes more evident that there is something here that has the ability to grow or to be a, a bigger player in the space, um, you know, that becomes more obvious that, hey, maybe that can be that next product. But I think it ultimately comes down to it as a very... Uh, risky and unpredictable space. And a lot of people just, you know, as obvious by, you know, the lack of clarity around it is they just don't know what is going to hit next. Um, so it's, it causes a hesitation. How's user growth since, uh, since you last came on? I, was it 180, 160, 180,000 um, users? I don't remember which one of those were active, but. Yeah, I think we're at about um, uh, 160,000 active users. Um, since then, we've grown to about 230,000. Wow. Um, I can't yeah. whistle, but I would whistle. <laughs> can't whistle. If I could. Um, but we've been getting good, you know, momentum. I think, I think it's, uh, you know, been consistent, at least since we've put out the more public version of the product. Okay. Okay. How's, uh, did you finish your round? Um, we're still actually bringing in some additional capital on that, but we have made progress. Um, had a few additional commits come in post that. You know, keep making progress, and we're looking to wrap it up here before uh, end of this month. True to form, Matthew doesn't sound too worried about things. And as it turns out, he was right to feel confident. In the months following our call, he was able to close out his round with VC investors. Which brings me to our investors. They passed on this deal, and for a lot of different reasons whether it was the revenue model or the social implications of the product or just a weird vibe they got. That's the world of investing. Not every investor is going to see the same opportunity in the same way. One investor's no is another's yes. 
And so it's a numbers game. As an entrepreneur, all you can do is keep pounding the pavement, making those calls and meeting with investors. Sometimes it takes a while, but nobody ever said this was going to be easy. To hear scenes from next week's episode, stay tuned till after the credits. Come join the conversation on social. I'm Josh Mucci on Twitter and Facebook, and the show handle is at The Pitch Show. You can also send us an email at thepitch at gimletmedia.com. Our website is thepitch.show, and you can subscribe to our brand new newsletter and get behind the scenes stuff at thepitch.show slash email. Our show was produced by me, Josh Muccio, Asta Chathavedi, and Rob Zipko. We were edited by Devin Taylor. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder, with original music composed by The Musemaker, Bobby Lord, Tyler Strickland, Ketza, and Jeff Brodsky. We were mixed by Enoch Kim, with help from Matthew Bull. Thanks to Lisa Muccio for planning the Season 2 recording event last fall. Quick disclaimer, no offer to invest is being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. Also, I do want to say a quick thank you to the original sponsor of season two, the It's Worth Doing Right family, for taking a leap of faith on us when we were just a little independent podcast. Finally, if you're enjoying the pitch, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others discover the show. All right, you've been listening to The Pitch from Gimlet Media. I'm Josh Muccio. See you next week. Next week on The Pitch... We produce wearable technology and we allow people to play combat sports without having to hit each other in the face. Do you think this is going to be a trend? Is this trend sensitive? You know, I don't believe so. Spinning has not been a trend, although we started in... Oh, it's trend now. It wasn't. It wasn't, but it's pretty... Let's distinguish between trend and fad. I'm thinking more like a fad. I'm... Fad fades quickly. Yeah. New episodes come out on Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss a thing. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business. It's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.